You are listening to the Overt Action Podcast. Uh, I'm Kevin Strauss, and today we're going to be talking about the 2015 Freedom Act, which was passed on June 2nd of 2015, just a few weeks ago. And it's the perhaps the most sweeping intelligence reform bill we've seen in decades, uh, at least in terms of providing additional privacy oversights into our intelligence system. It's the culmination, I'd say, of the discussion that's gone on in this country since the disclosures by Edward Snowden. And without a doubt, it's something that every American should care about. The problem is most Americans probably don't understand it. And it's not because they're stupid. It's just it's based on very complex stuff having to deal with the intelligence community. So one of the things we're going to hope today to do today is to demystify it. Originally, I was going to try to do this all as one podcast, but I started talking, and the problem with this is that there's a lot of really interesting aspects uh, of this bill, at least if you're into uh, intelligence issues and your privacy. Um, so what we're going to do instead is split it into three parts. Uh, today, I'm basically going to just talk about what the bill actually did uh, with giving a little bit of insight as to why it was done in the way it was done. Part two, we're going to talk about the politics uh, behind the bill, um, which I think is the most interesting part. And then in part three, we're going to talk a little bit about what impact this will actually have on your privacy, uh, as well as what impact it will, on, it will have on the intelligence community's ability to do their jobs. This amendment... It's not simple. It does not limit the program. It does not modify it. It does not constrain the program. It ends the program. It blows it up. Some of you have heard the analogy that if you want to have search for a needle on a haystack, you have to have the haystack. This takes a leaf blower and blows away the entire haystack. You will not have this program if this amendment passes. That was Congressman, now Senator Tom Cotton, of Arkansas. And that's him speaking almost two, two years ago now in July of 2013. And the haystack he's talking about is the crux of the issue uh, that we're going to discuss today when it comes to the USA Freedom Act. The haystack that Congressman Cotton was talking about is basically that the NSA was collecting the information from every person's, citizens and non-citizens, cell phone ever in the U.S. The metadata. And metadata is one of those words that everyone's heard, but not everyone actually understands what it means. Metadata is, is basically, if I gave you a call uh, this morning at 9.30 a.m., metadata would be, all information associated with my cell phone, so cell phone number, if I have a SIM card, whatever identifying number uh, that the SIM card has, and how long our conversation was, and when it ended, and also all the associated information with your cell phone, so phone number, SIM card, etc. NSA was, was basically doing this for every single person, again, American, non-American, so we're talking hundreds of millions of people uh, that it could. Now, when you read the fine print, or at least read what, what the press has actually reported, it, it wasn't every single 
uh, every single person. It's not hundreds of million of, millions of Americans because some of the phone companies didn't actually cooperate with the program. Nonetheless, it was still a whole lot of people, and people make lots and lots of phone calls. So as you probably remember, when the story first came out, and the story came out because of Edward Snowden's disclosures, there was a lot of people, especially privacy advocates, but a lot of Americans in general, who were pretty upset about it. Now, as you also remember, Snowden disclosed a lot of information about a lot of very sensitive programs. There was also a, a program uh, where they were reading a lot of email. Um, I, I'm not going to focus as much on that today, primarily because that wasn't changed nearly as dramatically as the phone collection programs. But in any event, um, the first thing you need to know about the, the 2015 USA Freedom Act is NSA is no longer collecting your metadata like it was before. Uh, that responsibility has now been passed over to private cell phone companies who, by the way, were doing that anyway. And you can go online, and if you haven't read your user agreement, though I'm sure you all have, uh, you can go online and figure out exactly how long cell phone companies hold on to your metadata. And they do so for business purposes. So imagine if you were going to dispute a bill, uh, if you got charged for certain calls, you said you didn't make them. Um, there's other business reasons that cell phone companies do need to hold on to that information. In addition to the phone calls, by the way, they also hold on to the text messages you send. And in some cases, but not all, do in fact keep the content. So if you're sending things that could be embarrassing, you should know that there are people at cell phone companies uh, who potentially could be reading what you are texting. In any event, that was by far the biggest reform made by the 2015 Freedom, uh, USA Freedom Act. NSA is no longer going to hold on to your metadata. Uh, the law, by the way, also does not include a requirement for phone companies to hold on uh, to your metadata. So in other words, there's not a minimum period of time. So if your phone company determines that it only needs to hold on to your uh, particular information for two days, then it can dump that information, and there's nothing in law requiring it to hold on to that information. So if privacy is a concern of yours, uh, certainly you can take that into consideration, and that's something we have written about on the Overt Action blog. The other couple things I want to mention fairly briefly about the Act, because really I think the more interesting part about all this is the politics, so I want to spend uh, more time on that, but the other interesting part about the act, or at least the other, the other impact that it made, was the first thing, it has additional transparency requirements. Uh, to be honest with you, it's not exactly clear uh, how much the government is, how transparent the government's going to be. I mean, the one thing you need to understand about when laws are written, there is Congress's intent, and then there is the way it is actually interpreted by the subsidiary agencies uh, to the federal government. But theoretically, it has enhanced transparency requirements, um, which includes the government needing to provide an annual declassified report on how many Americans it is, uh, it is requesting metadata on. So, I, so some of that was made available by the DNI, who showed that only... Well, I shouldn't say only because that's a value judgment, but 227 Americans were the subject of searches in 2014. So you have to believe the DNI because there's not really a watchdog to verify that number. Uh, but, but just to get a sense of how many people's metadata is actually being searched, uh, we're talking 227 people in 2014. But reports like that 
theoretically are going to be required by law uh, every year from here on in. The second thing, or I guess the third thing I ought to mention, is the law also requires the government uh, to provide a special advocate. This is called an amicus provision. That's a legal term. Um, again, it, it means in normal people talk. I'm not a lawyer. It means basically a special advocate to advocate on behalf of, of the people. So in other words, to advocate on behalf of privacy concerns. And again, the thing that it does not change, and this is something we're going to have to talk about in future podcasts here, is spying on the internet, uh, which falls under FISA Section 702. And I don't want to get too boring when we're talking about FISA Section 215, FISA FISA Section 702. Um, But that 702 is the section overseeing internet spying, which has been generally less controversial than spying on the cell phones. Um, but it's been shown to be far more effective. Now, that's going to be something that sunsets in 2017. So without a doubt, the fight that America witnessed just a few years ago is going to come up again in a couple of years. So there were plenty of, of criticisms. I think it's not unreasonable to say that most, or at least the loudest, came from uh, the side that was interested or at least more concerned about protecting privacy rights. Uh, perhaps one of the most often repeated concerns is that the bill didn't go far enough in terms of preventing millions of Americans from being spied on. And in particular, uh, a number of privacy advocates focused on the fact that NSA or the U.S. can still request information uh, going two hops. So what that means is, you know, I cited the example earlier of you calling me. So not only can they get the information from from me to you now in in the USA Freedom Act, but they can also get the metadata for everyone we talk to. So think about it this way. If I had to call my doctor's office this morning because one of my kids was sick, the government can get my metadata. It will have the information related to our phone call, and it would also get the metadata for every single person that my doctor spoke to. So you can imagine doctors take a lot of phone calls and send out a lot of phone calls every day. A lot of people are going to get sucked into a dragnet uh, when, when a search request is made. The lawyer, one of the key lawyers for the ACLU, its uh, deputy legal director, Jamil Jaffer, called the USA Freedom Act as permitting bulky collection. Mr. Jaffer says, quote, Look, some of the language in USA Freedom, which is meant to limit bulk collection, would also have the effect of entrenching what's sometimes called bulky collection, or large-scale collection that doesn't reach the scale of the call records program, but is still very broad collection, end quote. The Electronic Freedom Foundation, uh, which is a group that advocates for privacy online, opposed the USA Freedom Act altogether and said, quote, it's not the bill EFF would have written. And in light of the Second Circuit's thoughtful opinion, we withdrew our support from the bill in an effort to spur Congress to to strengthen some of its privacy protections and out of concern about language added to the bill at the behest of the intelligence community, end quote. The thoughtful decision the EFF is referring to was the, de, was the ruling made shortly before the Freedom Act was passed uh, by the Second Circuit Court 
that the Patriot Act, in fact, did not authorize, the language in the Patriot Act, in fact, did not authorize the NSA uh, to collect Americans, millions of Americans' metadata. Uh, they didn't shut the program down immediately because they had an eye towards that it needed to be renewed anyway. Uh, but that's what EFF is referring to. And once that decision came out, EFF withdrew all its support. There were also uh, several, three in fact, whistleblowers who formerly worked for NSA who were extremely critical uh, of the USA Freedom Act and called it the Freedom Act, spelled D-U-M-B, and made all sorts of accusations that the administration wanted to pass the USA Freedom Act to prevent it from being sued, that the Freedom Act ignores a lot more privacy violations beyond the metadata. I suspect they're referring to spying via the Internet and that the Freedom Act is, quote, not going to change anything, end quote. So as with most pieces of legislation, it was fairly controversial, and I, and I want to move into the politics of the USA Freedom Act next because I, I think they're fascinating um, for a number of reasons, and actually I think there's a lot to, to feel good about regardless of how you feel about the bill. Uh, sort of last comment on that. If you want to decide for yourself how you feel about the USA Freedom Act uh, and want to go read it for yourself, you had better brace yourself because it's incomprehensible as a standalone document. Understand that the Freedom Act amends the Patriot Act passed shortly after uh, 9-11 in 2001. So to understand the Freedom Act, you have to understand the Patriot Act, except the Patriot Act is actually just a series of amendments of the 1978 FISA Act. So to understand the Patriot Act, you need to understand the 1978 FISA Act. So you actually end up reading three bills, so it's a lot of pages. It's not exactly leisure reading to begin with. But just, just to give you a quick example of how it is completely unreasonable to expect the average American to understand what the Freedom Act actually says. Let me just read you a quick passage uh, focusing actually on the metadata since that's what we're talking about here. So now I'm quoting from the USA Freedom Act. Quote, Section 103, Prohibition on Bulk Collection of Tangible Things. Application. Section 501b2, as amended by Section 101a of this Act, is further amended by inserting before subparagraph b as redesignated by such section 101A of this Act, the following new subparagraph. A. A specific selection term to be used as the basis for the production of the tangible things sought. Now, is it any surprise reading that, that your average citizen really has no idea what's going on? Uh, I mean, I, frankly, I, I can't make heads or tails about that. What you'd have to do is go pull out the three acts, see what this is amending, after having viewed what the Patriot Act amended. No one's going to take the time to do that. Now, maybe there's a separate discussion to be had about how we write laws in general, because I think this makes our government completely inaccessible, but that's just me editorializing. In any event, so the, the bottom line there is, if you want to understand the, the USA Freedom Act, you got a lot of reading and a lot of thinking and a lot of cross-referencing to do. And the risk there is we are trusting the press and or more specifically, the people who feed the press information to make sense of this. In part two of our podcast on the USA Freedom Act, I'm going to look at the politics of the USA Freedom Act. And just to sort of, sort of tee up, what I mean there is 
it was a messy process, but I guess with with Congress, especially in recent years, it's always been a messy process. But you know, I think if anything, most Americans ought to be more hopeful uh, than despairing uh, with what was produced. Whether or not, again, you you are supportive of the bill, uh, if you look at how it was negotiated and fixed, I think Americans have some things to be proud of. And we'll talk about that in part two of the Overt Action blog. Thanks for listening.